something I'm always reminding folks is the data that comes out of Gong over and over again about like what leads to deals getting done, what has the highest correlation, and it's email velocity. And so if I'm a sales org and I'm looking at what should I be optimizing for, it's how can I get response rates at every stage of the funnel? Because I need to keep the conversation moving forward. One of the things you mentioned is like what happens after the reply? You need to ask more questions. <laughs> you need to ask like on average like three or four to like, keep them going. Hi friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Will Allred. Will's the co-founder and chief operating officer at Lavender, a software company that helps sellers to write better sales emails faster. And in our conversation today, we start by exploring the problems that existed in the marketplace that prompted Will and his co-founder to start Lavender. We dive into some of the most common mistakes salespeople make with their emails and how people can increase response rates on those same emails. We also talk about some of the most common use cases for Lavender and perhaps some of the more surprising use cases they found for their application. We get into all this and much, much more, but before we get to Will, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also leave us a review and give us your feedback about how we're doing. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Will, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate you having me. It's good to be here. Well, pleasure to have you on the show. So tell us a bit about you. How'd you, uh, how'd you come about to start Lavender? <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny story, Andy. So my co-founders and I were actually building a marketing technology product for two years. Um, focus was taking customer lists, segmenting it by personality characteristics, and providing recommendations on how to market according to those personality traits. So mm -hmm. say you're Yamaha, who's a client of ours, you know, and you're trying to sell a Kawasaki dirt bike you right. know, or a, you know, whatever kind of dirt bike, right? Um, obviously it wouldn't be a huge sell. Yeah, we'll say, yeah, we'll say brand. Yamaha. Yamaha. The, <laughs> point, the point is like you would want to display that differently based on those underlying characteristics. So if they're extroverted, you'd want more people involved in the industry. The actual phrasing that you would use in your copy would also be different. Um, and so looking at, um, so you'd use like less unsure tones, you'd be more direct within your messaging. Looking at uh, March 2020, all of our prospective pipeline and customer base you know, basically disappeared. And so <laughs> we had to come up with something clever to keep the business afloat. Mm. And at the time, I was up in New York with my co-founders, and we were hanging out in NYU's like Entrepreneur Center. Right. And Will, other Will, my other co-founder, um, he pulls up an article in TechCrunch about Gmail mm. and LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator was shutting down support for Gmail. And we're like... We've got the data connections that we could probably build a comparable product. And then, you know, threw in like, well, why don't we also strap some of these new content analytics tools we've been building on the back end and we can just tell people if they've written a good email or not. And so we showed it to but a few the, folks. But to go back for just a second, is you're so you're trying to replace the navigator functionality integrated with Gmail. Exactly. Okay. Um, and then we viewed it as a potential opportunity. So not only for cash flow but also as an opportunity to market 
some of the new technologies that we've been building. So we were mm-hmm. going to use product as a marketing channel. Right. Uh, turns out the product was a pretty good product because now it's what we do for work every day. <laughs> uh, we had an interesting summer of trying to figure out who this product was a good fit for, whether it's, you know, job seekers. Turns out they don't really have a lot of money to pay you. Mm-hmm. Uh, HR and recruiting, customer success. And we still have a lot of those users on the product, but we've now much more purpose built for the sales world. And that's sure. because salespeople just kind of picked up the product and started talking about it online. And we mm-hmm. really leaned into that. Good. So for people who aren't familiar with Lavender, just give us, you know, walk us through it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar, Lavender is a Chrome extension that helps salespeople write better emails faster. And we do that in a number of ways, but basically we give you everything that you'd possibly need to know about the person that you're reaching out to, to help you personalize that email faster. We even give you the personalization in one click. We show you how to do it. Um, so that's, you know, information on the job board, you know, recent news and events, you know, social data from that individual. We mm-hmm. pull that out. And then we provide a writing assistant as you write that note to showcase to you, you know, based on the millions of emails that go through our system, here's the, the things that need work and so that you can quickly get that to a place where you're most likely to get a positive response. And then, yeah, that's all bundled in within like a design that's very productivity centric. Mm-hmm. But all that data gets captured into a coaching dashboard so that we can show managers, um, the RevOps team, exactly what it is that works within their message. You know, really taking that black box that is the inbox and opening it up for further analysis. Okay. So a lot to break down there. So where you're sourcing, so just based on entering the email of the person, you're going out and sourcing social data, whatever you can find. Exactly. So we work with a number of data partners where we can pull in um, you know, core level social data. So whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm reaching out to you and I see like your LinkedIn bio right there and there, or, you know, I can pull in, um, obviously given our roots, you can pull in personality data on the individual that you're reaching out to. Um, you can also go dig deeper and like pull up like social media feeds, like their Twitter feed. You could dig into company data. So like we scrape the entire job board of the company mm-hmm. and we place that right in the inbox because it's Got a it. gold mine when you're looking to have a relevant reason for reaching out. It's like, right. Hey, Andy, I saw you're hiring for, you know, a new you know, head of XYZ operations. You know, I imagine that's because you're trying to do the following thing. Typically mm-hmm. when folks are doing that, you know, it sets off a good reason for reaching out, but you don't have to leave the inbox to do this high quality research. Right. So then you have this function that you said, is it sort of a little bit prescriptive, I guess, for how do you improve the actual language within the email itself. Yeah. So this one is really what we're best known for. It's our writing assistant. And so we scorecard your email. So you get a grade zero to a hundred and the name of the game is to get your email above a 90. So you were talking about Peloton uh, when we were chatting earlier. It's like gamification. So the game is to get it to a 90 and you have a clock that is monitoring how long you've been spending on that email. And so we showcase the top things that you need to go fix in order to get that thing to a 90 so that you move on to the next email. Yeah, my wife, I was just laughing because, you know, when my wife and I are sitting on the couch at night and, and I'm working on emails, occasionally she looks over and she goes, 
just send the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we've been we've been joking about building that in where it's like, okay, yeah. you're at a 90 and you've been sitting on it. Like, it's time to go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You need a voice. Flip side, I mean, right? It's like an 82 and you're hitting damn send. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's an 82 and you hit send. It's like, oh, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she gives me a hard time many times yeah. a week about that. Yeah, just over editing emails. Yeah, well, and I think it's one of those things that people don't necessarily realize how much time goes by, how much time slips. Um, I was talking yeah, to an account executive the other day who was like, I don't think I quite realized I spent 30 minutes on all of my post-demo follow-ups. And I'm like, well, how, how long do you spend now? And she's like, oh, about five minutes, because now I'm just aware of the fact that I'm spending that much time. Yeah, that's that's why I need this. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. Just for that function, if nothing else. So... The scorecard, I mean, what's it based on? What are the criteria you're scoring and and why is a 90 relevant to anything? Yeah, so we have millions of emails going through our system on a monthly basis. And so when we look at an email, I can show how formal it is, how complex it is. Complexity is a huge reply rate driver. So you look at negative Negative impact on reply rates, yes. (laughs) Yes. 70% 70% of emails are written at or beyond a 10th grade reading level. And it's because mm-hmm. we think we're building credibility with all this verbiage and added stuff about all the things that we do. Um, in reality, the emails that get the most response are written at a 5th grade reading level. So if you take an email that's a 10th grade and you move it down to a 5th grade, you'll see statistically 31% more positive response. And so we look at our product as like, how do we help you just craft a shorter simpler message um that's the other one is the shortness of the message yeah looking looking at our data right now for cold email right um, and this actually pairs up perfectly so let me start with when somebody reads an email the amount of time that they spend reading it on average is about 11 seconds and so if you translate that to word count it's under 50 words yep well yep Guess what the best practice is for how long your email should be? 25 to 50 words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just pairs up perfectly. Um, it's like one of the things and that we're pretty happy about. Specifically in this case, though, I'm sorry, just specifically in this case, though, we're talking about we're talking about cold outreach. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you have stats then for subsequent emails in, in yeah, a sequence? Yeah, so, and it's actually interesting. The The thresholds change dramatically. So when it's all of a sudden now you're in the thread, the things that matter are um, one of the things that's really important is mobile optimization after the response. Right. Um, and it's because if you think about how people engage within Gmail, all of a sudden that like in that, that viewpoint where you're writing, it gets a lot wider. And mm-hmm. so your paragraphs will go along like, You'll, you won't break up your thoughts as much. Right. And so the other end, they pick up their phone and they see this big wall of text and you just like killed the conversation. Um, something I'm always reminding folks is the data that comes out of Gong over and over again about like what leads to deals getting done, what has the highest correlation, and it's email velocity. And so if I'm a sales org and I'm looking at what should I be optimizing for, it's how can I get response rates at every stage of the funnel? because mm-hmm. I need to keep the conversation moving forward. And so one of the things you mentioned is like, what happens after the reply? Well, you need to ask more questions 
you need to ask like on average like three or four to keep them going whereas in a cold email it's actually highly detrimental to start asking a bunch of questions you see the most responses come at one question and actually zero questions because you can lean into unsure tones to actually generate a lot of that response so explain what you mean by unsure tones yeah um it's hedge words like might uh usually um yeah, it's the classic like Chris Voss. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. you know, I don't want to assume. The the softeners, what they do is they sort of keep the the reader's guard down as they're going through their inbox. I'm a mm-hmm. big believer that the the process in which your prospect is going through their inbox is this pure just triage. It's almost mm-hmm. like fight or flight mode. And they are just trying to get to the task items that they really have to get to. Right. So how you craft that message, all the things about it, like should speak to that and should like be triage friendly. Um, so it's like if they're already familiar with your brand um, and you don't put your company name at the start of your subject line, like you're doing yourself a disservice. Whereas like because otherwise, like they might just think it's yet another cold email, even though like it's you and they know you and you haven't like said, hey, it's me. Right. So, so go through that again, what they, what you should do? Yeah, think about when you go through your inbox, right? The first thing you do is you show up and you look for the names you recognize, the threads you recognize, and right. then there's a whole lot of everything else. And so as you're going through that process, there's things that you can do to make it more friendly. So how you craft your subject line right. is like it should speak to like a topic that's on their to-do list because they're mm-hmm. looking for those items in their to-do list. It shouldn't look and feel like a marketing email. Um, yeah, the preview text should show them that it's specifically written for them because otherwise like you're not giving them a good reason for them to click in and look mm-hmm. into that message. Now they open that message and they're trying to figure out what is this, right? And if that what is this process requires them to like think, requires them to try to translate buzzwords, tries to like translate your pitch back to their problems, you're missing the whole point because you should be meeting them where they're at. You should be writing to the the problems they have, where they're at, what's going on with them so that, and do it in like a short, simple way. Um, That's, that's triage friendly. And so for subject lines, because I was just reading something recently, just in the last few weeks about the directness the importance of the directness of what's in your subject line. Short, sweet, concise. Mm-hmm. So what are you yeah, finding? SalesLoft just published some interesting data around this too, where they pointed out if you use a first name variable in the subject line, so it's like will, comma, and then you do something, it reduces your response rate, I want to say, by like 18%. And you think about like that triage process. As soon as I see my name in the subject line, I know I'm like about to get quote unquote sold at. Yeah, and me I'm too. Just like, I'm like, ah, I don't want it. I don't want to open it. <laughs> well, so for me, the the one that goes along with that, with, along with my name and the subject line, is hey. Are you not a hey person, or are you are you a hey person? I'm not a hey person. To me, hey is <laughs> hey is means I'm being sold to. Interesting. Uh, I'm a hey guy, so like, I would say <laughs> hey, but like I would say hey if I knew you versus if I didn't know you. Um, but I, I treat my outreach from the perspective of you're just a friend that I haven't met yet. 
And so mm-hmm. I take that tone in my email. Um, I'm not overly formal. I try to be casual. I try to treat it very peer to peer because where you're at is you're in your to-do list trying to put out fires and I'm trying to meet you where you're at as a peer and say, Hey, I see you have that problem. I've helped others with that problem. Do you want to learn how we can help you? Very simple, cold outreach. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree on the peer to peer thing. I'm, I'm not terribly formal, but maybe there's maybe a generational thing or something. It just with me is, yeah, I don't cause, know. I, cause I am very I informal as you'll see when you read my book, but it's, it's, it's yeah. Just, Hey, for me is, yeah, I think it comes from me and people look at it and say, really, you're doing, Hey, <laughs> well, I got through the forward and I noticed that like one, yes, about your like writing style, but at the same time too, very short and concise. And I appreciated yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking when you're going, when I was looking at, at lavender before we got on uh, a couple of days ago and, and, going through some of your videos, your TikTok videos and so on. It's like, so you should use this for LinkedIn as well, right? Um, so I have a different mindset when it comes to LinkedIn, but it's just more like a lot of the same rules apply, but the yeah. the arena is different, right? It's oh, like sure. it's like going to play baseball on a football field. And the reason I say that is because an inbox is a to-do list. LinkedIn is a social network. And so they're inherently kind of different reasons for being there. And so I'm not sure the same like methods and tactics should be used. Like you shouldn't think of starting a conversation on LinkedIn in necessarily the same way that you would an email. I wish that I could get people to have like just pure conversation over email, but it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to just like get to the point and be a little bit more pointed, whereas you can open up more dialogue on LinkedIn. And so like, while I would open with an observation within both fronts, right? I'm still personalizing. Um, say, hey, I saw the following thing, or given that looks like whatever your opening phrasing is. Um, the, the next thing that follows, instead of jumping into, you know, I imagine you're going through the following thing. I might just try to open up dialogue and leave it at two sentences on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. just be like, Hey, um, based on that, are y'all doing anything to do the following X, Y, Z, right? Using lavender for an example, right? right? Um, Andy looks like you're hiring a lot of sales reps. Um, with that, let's see. Um, if I was writing like a sales email, I might like, lean in on the fact usually when folks are hiring like this they're thinking about email or they're thinking about training those reps Um, typically phone gets a lot more attention than email and results lag curious if that's something you're seeing right but like for linkedin maybe i would start it a little bit more this is kind of hard because i'm coming up with on the fly but like for linkedin maybe i just Maybe I just open it up with like a, a binary question of like, I imagine you're starting to think about training. Are you leaning more onto phone or sales? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just see there's sort of converge. The reason I brought up LinkedIn, there's sort of a convergence happening, I think, to some mm-hmm. degree. So uh, not quite as, as clean. So curious. So what's sort of the biggest surprise use case you've seen for Lavender? Um. Early on, somebody gave a speech to the D.C. City Council and on rent control, and they used our 
product to edit the speech for conciseness. That was probably uh, the most the most surprising use case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Was that a one-off, or are you seeing that happen more frequently? Oh, no, that doesn't happen too often. That, that was a one-off. Um, my favorite use case for a product, and it's one that doesn't make us a single dollar, but it's giving our product away for free to folks that are job hunting and searching mm-hmm. for a job. Because I'm an avid believer that you should like, do direct reach out to right. the hiring manager and be like, hey, right. I want this job. Yep. Um, just waiting in line for them to review your resume, which I'm a big, like, if you can express your ideas in writing, it shows me that you can think, it shows me like how you think, it shows me how clear that thinking is. Um, It's like why I do a newsletter is because I have ideas and I'm trying to polish them. And I know having the responsibility of sending them to other people is like, I have to like really clarify my ideas down. Um, It's the same thing with job hunting. And so we give it away for free. Uh, my wife actually had the idea early on. We were trying to figure out who our best end user is. She was like, hey, look at this. Airbnb just dropped their like, you know, job board of all the people that they let go. Why don't you just reach out and see if they'd like to use your tool? And we were mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's try it. So I just direct reached out to every single person on that list and was like, hey, do you want to try our software? Um, we're, we'll give it to you for free as you try to job hunt. Might be helpful as you're like doing direct outreach. Um, and a bunch of people have taken us up on that. What's your retention rate on that? So it's funny you ask. Um, yeah. Because I, it's something I'm very proud of. It's actually our strongest retention cohort out of anyone in our audience. Yeah. Um, the second most would be like actual teams using the software. Because uh, there's some top-down support that comes with that, mm-hmm. but uh, and there's a little bit more like hand-holding within the onboarding process, of course. Right. But right. that is our strongest retention cohort over the longest stretch of time. Yeah, makes sense. Building users of the future. Um, yeah, you have to get it to like colleges next. Yeah. Well, it's it's free for students as well. Um, oh, there you go. And, okay. Yeah, we we don't see as many students as we do job seekers, but. Um, yeah, maybe the tech talks will help with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they all become job seekers at some point, hopefully. Right. So That's true. Yeah, I gave a talk earlier this week to a group of, of, uh, college students majoring in sales and yeah, I think they'd be ideal, ideal candidates for that. So last question for you is, so where do you see your products sort of evolving then? It's a great question. We've got this great avenue right now within the the sales tech world where nobody's really looking around. You've got Gong going deep on like call intelligence. You've got the outreaches of the world really digging in on like cadence intelligence, but nobody's really thinking about what we say within those particular touch points. And Mm -hmm. we view that as like the place where we really thrive. Um, The other thing that we're really good at and we like to lean into is that just like that notion that we're going to build the most helpful email assistant possible right there in your inbox when you need it, as you need it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't see that we necessarily like evolve in some like SEP sending tool. It's more right. about, you know, we don't necessarily even have to ever send an email. It's more about understanding what you're writing, helping you write it faster and better mm-hmm. and like providing those analytics. Um, you know, part of me almost like views having a coaching dashboard as a, like, it's helpful for 
you know, third party people within the organization to see what's going on. But for the end user, you know, I don't even know if it's necessary because we can pipe back the recommendations right there into the inbox where they have them, where they need them. And so we can still be that really helpful engine for them. But if they want to go to the dashboard to learn, they can. Right. All right. Very cool. Yeah. If people want to learn more about Lavender, what should they do? Yeah. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm always talking about um, cold email tactics and, and ways to write better emails. Um, but I think the easiest way to get to know us is to try the product itself. And so it comes with a free trial. You go to install.trylavender.com. You can get there from the website just try lavender.com mm-hmm. and they can get started on a free trial and there's you know, a free version of the product as well. If they decide they don't want to pay for it. Got it. Yeah. I, you've, you've sold me. I'm going to, I'm going to try. That's what I told you. I got, I got a, yeah. I got a big requirement coming up for uh, cold outreach. So I'm going to put it to the test. Well, you are more than welcome to sign up as well for one of my one-on-one coaching sessions. I do them every Thursday morning. <laughs> Count, count me in. Count me in for sure. All right, yeah. Will, thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, thank you for having me, Andy. Yeah, look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I am so grateful for your support of this show. And I want to thank my guest, Will Allred, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.